Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. And you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. I'm currently diving into the uh, American Hip Hop book by Nathan Sachs. I'm listening to that on my way to work. It's been, uh, been a lot of fun. So I encourage all of our listeners, go find something you're passionate about and see what Audible has on there. I guarantee you'll find something you like. Welcome back to another episode of On the Break. Tonight, we are continuing with our tour of the league. Tonight, we have the Northwest Division featuring the Utah. Nick Saban is now our defensive coordinator, Jazz. The Denver Fat Energizer Bunnies. Portland, our shooting guard, looks like a 12-year-old with a party city mustache, Blazers. The Minnesota, eh, go ahead and Supermax Wiggins, Timberwolves. And the OKC, you can't give minutes to a pick swap, Sam Presti, Thunder. Tonight, we have mid- Josh in the in the studio here with Kyle Beats. What's up, man? What's up, man? I uh, I'm just gonna officially remove myself from any introduction ever because I just I'll never be able to live up to that. That is, how long did you work on that? Let's be honest. It took me longer to or to say it than I did write it because I tripped over so many words in that one, man. <laughs> I'm like laughing laughing my ass off while I'm writing these things, and then I know I'm just gonna botch them and say all kinds of weird stuff whenever I'm talking about them. But it was good. Not not that long. They're fantastic. I don't think you can top the uh, the Mavericks, but I, I really enjoyed that. I like the uh, working in the Nick Saban uh, on the Jazz, but I'm excited to break down this Northwest Division, man. I think it's you know arguably the the strongest division uh, in the in the league. But before we dive into that, I know you wanted to kind of touch base on the uh, the Kobe Shack beef that seems to have you know resurfaced here recently. Dude, it's crazy because, uh, yeah, the reason why I brought out Nick Saban was because people think that the Clippers team is going to have the best defense in the league. Man, that Jazz is going to fight for it too. Yep. Um, but uh, I don't think I've ever watched a something happen in the NBA where I watched Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Max Kellerman, and Shannon Sharp all give their opinion on it and me with every one of them go, yeah, he's right. I said it's every every one of them, dude. That never happens. That never happens. But it was like that. So what ended up happening was Kobe went on some uh, leadership retreat, and they were asking him about his beef with Shaq, and uh, and asked him to give his opinion on Shaq or something like that. And Kobe said something to the effect of, "If he or they asked him what it would have been like if Shaq would have worked as hard as him," and Kobe said, um, "If Shaq would have worked as hard as me, we would have rattled off twelve rings, and he would be the greatest player of all time," which dude, he's right. Like that's exactly what would have happened. But then, yeah, then Shaq came back and got in his feelings like Shaq always does, regardless of who he's talking to um, on Instagram and said, uh, Kobe, if you would have passed the ball in the Detroit Pistons series, we would have rattled off 12 in a row. And then it kind of went downhill from there. That's also probably true. Also probably true. Um, But uh, ultimately like they, they kind of like Kobe came out and said, um, he came out and said, we don't have any beef, man. We're too old for that. Uh, we've made up. We're, we're good. And then Shaq tweeted back at him and said, oh, yeah, that first time I thought you were talking about Dwight and he spelled it D-W-I-T-E and said, if that's what his name is or something like that. Found a way to just bury Dwight Howard, of course. Poor Dwight Howard. Dude, Dwight's had a hell of a week, man. He's getting lit up, trolled by Shaq and 
signing with the Lakers and getting literally zero dollars to play basketball guaranteed. Dude, I wonder if he's the first, if he's the greatest player of all time to get zero dollars guaranteed. He's got to be. Yeah. I mean, that only happens to bums. Like me and Dwight Howard are making the same amount of money for playing basketball. Well, <laughs> he's making, he's making like $18,000 a day that he plays, but, uh, but guaranteed money. Yeah, you're right. Semantics. No, yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely right. But it's just, it's insane because I understand that Dwight Howard is absolutely a shadow of himself at the end of his career. You know, nothing more than probably a solid backup center or a very low end starter at this point. But he still, he still deserves a guarantee, some kind of guaranteed contract, like a league minimum of some sort. But, you know, the Lakers have gone down this path with him before. And I think they fear, you know, it going poorly like it did previously. The way they structure this deal is you can cut ties, you know, all-star breaker before if things don't go well. Yeah, this is a character deal, dude. You can't tell me that he's not worth more than Nick Batum. Oh, absolutely. You can't tell me, like, there are plenty of players that are making more money than him, but this is a character deal. They're afraid that, that they're going to get burned by him, just like you said. Um, so, uh, but enough about Dwight. We'll get to that whenever we get to get to the West. As far as Kobe and Shaq goes, a couple things that, uh, that were brought up was Stephen A said – um said Kobe has said all these things to his face this isn't anything that Shaq doesn't know right you know and they're all correct um so I, I really like that I think Max Kellerman said he's right dude if Shaq would have worked he wasn't this wasn't a slide on Shaq this was a a uh like um a compliment for Shaq because Shaq didn't he just wanted to have fun like and Max Kellerman said if you had to choose between me and Shaq or being Kobe, who would you choose? You would choose Shaq all day long, dude. His, his life has been nothing but fun, and he hasn't had to work for anything, right? Kobe has had to work his ass off to be everything he has, and he has this legendary work ethic where he's waking up at 3 in the morning. Right. Uh, Gilbert, I remember bringing Gilbert Arenas. Justin's going to like this. But um, Gilbert Arenas broke a piece whenever he was in the league of them him working out with Kobe. And the first part, Kobe said, okay, let's take – a hundred turnaround jump shots from the free throw line. And they took those shots. They said, all right, let's take a hundred turnaround jump shots from the third, third hash in the, on the lane. They took all those shots. And it was like a hundred turnaround jump shots from every single spot on the lane. And it was like, okay, let's start with phase two. So yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like anyone that's really sat in the gym and shot that much. That takes time. That's freaking yeah. a rebounder. That takes yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a few different ways to look at this. I mean, I am a big Kobe guy. Um, I professed my love for, or, you know, everyone knows how much I love LeBron on here, but Kobe's actually my favorite basketball player. That being said, do I agree with what he said? I mean, maybe not 12, but yeah, they would have definitely won more rings if Shaq worked the way Kobe did, but Shaq didn't have to work, work the way Kobe did. And quite frankly, right. if he put that much pressure stress on his body, his career wouldn't have lasted as long. Uh, so there's, there's a different kind of balance for a 325 pound guy. I understand what Kobe's saying though. If he would have maybe taken care of his body from a diet standpoint, rested more and just, had that quote unquote Mamba mindset, but that's, that's what made Shaq Shaq is that he could have fun, do Shazam, record a terrible rap album and still be the best player in the world and just dominate everybody. Kobe wouldn't have won those rings without Shaq. Shaq might've won those rings without Kobe. So like what I'm trying to say is you take another five at that time, find me any other five and swap them for Shaq. I'm talking David Robinson, uh, you know, I think some of the other elite centers in that time frame, shoot, even Tim Duncan, you know, there's no other big man I would have thrown in there that could have won uh, on that team. You swap Kobe with other two guards, ton of other two guards Shaq could have won the ring with. 
You could have put Vince Carter in that situation. You could have put Tracy McGrady in that situation. Uh, so I, I think Shaq was immensely more important to those championship teams. Uh, I loved Shaq's clapback of saying, you know, hey, if you would have passed the ball more in that 04 series, we would have won, which is absolutely true. And maybe part of the reason he was on his way out, because that's when, you know, their beef was just escalating. And it got to a point in 04 where it became very, very public. And we weren't in the instant information era, right? This is 15 years ago. And it still became public. If that was, you know, that kind of this kind of tension. Uh, nowadays, it would be even a bigger story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I, I would agree with you, too, that Kobe's probably not winning those championships without Shaq. Um, I think that Shaq would have won a couple of championships without Kobe, but I don't know if they would rattle off three others. Um, and you're right. Like, Shaq was – Shaq destroyed the Spurs by himself in one of those series, and the Spurs were rolling out Tim Duncan and David Robinson, and just Shaq would just destroy both of them. Uh, the double team, them, you know? Them. He was killing yeah, exactly. on the Blazers. He was killing Divock and Weber on the – kings like these are all really really good nba players that he was just giving it to yeah um, and you're right and that that's what made shaq shaq he was more endearing and more likable than kobe yes. but to be honest that's what i think it might have been shannon that said this shannon sharp where he said without shaq being there without that beef um if or if they had been together the entire time we would have never seen kobe we would have never seen how great kobe could. that's true we're getting into um, dangerous territory when we're both agreeing with shannon sharp yeah exactly but dude, the water were, here. it was so weird because it was like they were just all on the money and they all had such great takes I, I definitely challenge our listeners to go listen to those guys because they they all brought up different things to talk about and they were all just so right and each each point they made i was like holy cow that's a i need to go look at the first take one i saw i saw shannon and skip going back and forth um yeah. You know, but dude, even like, even like they talk about how Shaq was in such great shape or was in good shape with the Lakers. Go look at what he looked like as a rookie and all those years throughout Orlando. And then look at what he looked like with the Lakers. He was not in good shape when he was with the Lakers, dude. And that's what Kobe, he was super strong. He was the diesel, you know, but um, that's what Kobe was worried about is like this dude just would eat, just eat and eat and eat all summer long and he'd show up 30 pounds overweight and then he'd get back into quote-unquote playing shit but he'd still be 10 pounds overweight compared to what he should be or 20 pounds overweight compared to what he should be you know so that's that i think was what kobe had more of a problem with was that kobe worked his ass off every single day and woke up at 4 a.m every single day and went and got shots up in the gym and he came back and Shaq was still better than him that would make me bad dude have you ever been around a person that's just more naturally talented than you and you're yeah. just working your ass off? That yes. Off. Yes, yeah. I agree with that completely. My The other perspective of it, though, is – and you've been around athletes and you understand. Guys with God-given talents like Shaq – where Kobe's talented, but Shaq has absolutely more God-given talent. Yeah, They don't have to work as hard in middle school, high school, college. And that translates to the league. It's very hard to flip that switch right. for a 22-year-old guy. It, but here's the big difference that – you know, you're not going to think about this immediately, but the more I pondered it is Kobe was raised in a household where his father was a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Shaq was not. That's that's going to create a different mindset if your parents have normal nine to five jobs versus if your parents are professional athletes. Yeah. If your parents are professional athlete, they're going to instill that work ethic in you. Yeah. So I think that plays a huge part in it. But yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. You know, at the end of the day, what I like the most about all of this is that Neither of these guys, they're going to go back and forth and talk their shit 
like like we said, this has been said before. This is just being done publicly. Neither of these guys are going to take it that personal. I really believe that because they're old school guys from the nine. They came in the league in the nineties when it was a different era. They're just they have thicker skin. Like if this were to happen between, you know, AD and LeBron, like those guys are both so sensitive. We'd have them both <laughs> on suicide watch. Like yeah. you know, it's just. I, I, I like the media that, would make it out like that at least. Right, right. But I like that these guys can talk shit to one another and then still have respect for each other at the end of the day. At least I believe that. Maybe they don't, but I, I truly believe that they do. Yeah. And if you have you ever watched um, if you've never watched the video where they come together and they talk about like their differences, uh, ESPN did it. Dude, that's better than that was I cried more in that than I did in Forrest Gump, dude. Like that <laughs> that was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And like it just shows in there it, you get a glimpse into the mind of these guys and how different they are, but how they both are so competitive and how you can be different in competitiveness. Like Shaq talked about when Kobe won his fifth ring. And they interviewed Kobe at the end. He said, and they said, what does this mean to you, Kobe? And Kobe says, one more than Shaq. Like he was just blatant, just said it to the reporter's right. face. He, Shaq talked about it and said, oh, I was so pissed off, dude. I, I tore my house up, you know, like, but it wasn't like he didn't, he didn't have the same drive that Kobe did to, to beat Shaq. Like Shaq was always in the spotlight. He never had that chip on his shoulder like Kobe did, you Correct. know? But then it still mattered as much to him whenever he lost because of it. Exactly what I was about to say. Well, very well said. Um, if you have, if you guys haven't seen that uh, ESPN, I don't know if it was a documentary or just kind of like a an interview they put together of Kobe and Shaq. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I highly encourage you to go check that out. Um, but I, I do miss I miss the era of guys talking shit and not having to be so PC and so player friendly. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, we're getting to a point where it's like, these guys are acting like 13 year old girls. That's because they're all trying to get on the same team together and beat, beat the <laughs> Nick Batum's of the world while they have, while they roll out five all-stars, you know, it's just, it's just AAU with, uh, with eight figure salaries, man. Jeez. That is a good point. I have never thought about that. I wonder if this AAU culture has something to do with all these guys joining up when they get in the league. That's absolutely no doubt. Yeah. Um, you ready to dive into this Northwest division? Yeah, um, we're probably talking about Kobe and Shaq for long enough. Um, so you want to start off with, start off at the bottom. Vegas has, we'll do the same thing we did last time. We'll talk about what Vegas has for an over under number. We'll choose our over unders and then, um, and then talk about why that is. We can talk about where they're going to end up in the, in the playoffs whenever they do. So Vegas has OKC Thunder sitting at 31. That's the bottom of this division, which we have just stated. We, I think that this is probably the strongest division in the in the league. Um, what's your over under on thirty one? Are you over or under that? Very, very tough number. Uh, I think the fact that Chris Paul and Gallinari on an expiring could get dealt is baked into that number because with the way the roster is currently constructed, I think 31 is a really low number. So I think Vegas is, has baked that in there a little bit. I think their real number should be 34, 35. And uh, because of that, because I don't know if any team's going to bite on a Chris Paul deal, I'm going to go over. I'm going to have them at about 35 wins this year. I, we've talked about SGA. Uh, we've talked about a few of the other uh, young guys. Losing Jeremy Lamb hurts, but there's some, there's some players on this team I like that I don't think the casual fan is probably aware of. Yeah. I've heard people talk about OKC uh, making the playoffs. Did you got to win 46 games a year or games this year to make the playoffs with the way yeah. the West is loaded? Yeah. Vegas is, 
I don't know if Vegas has ever been off by 15 games in the history of sports, man. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have any chance of OKC making the playoffs. Um, I think that I think that I might even go under here because I do think that a couple things could have to happen. Um, I think you're right in that Gallinari has a good chance of being dealt. Chris Paul is either going to come out and play out of his mind because he's trying to get dealt and then he'll get dealt midway through the season, or he's going to not play at all. And then they're going to suck anyway. So um, I don't, I don't foresee the thunder actually, actually doing anything more than 31. Um, I would say I'm going to put him at 30. Okay. Um, Mark you under, I like this because we actually have quite a few different um, thus far. It's six teams in and we have quite a bit different. Yeah. Here's what I will say about Shea Gilgis. Um, that guy is good, man. Um, yes. He's, he is the future of that team. Mm -hmm. I've been watching a lot of film on him just since he got traded and he doesn't have anything except for he can only score at one level, but he has very soft touch um, near the rim. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to. His shot isn't like atrocious though. No, it's not, but he's not shooting enough. His, he has a, go ahead. I was going to say he's a high release, but he kind of has a slow release. Um, he needs to work on getting it off a little bit quicker. I, I don't see him ever being a three point shooter, but what he needs to be able to do is when you're running the pick and roll, you need to be able to have that threat to come up, take the, take a step or two into the line and not quite to the elbow, but a little 17, 18 foot jumper and pull up and hang like Westbrook did and hit that shot. You know, having yeah. the threat to be able to hit that mid-range shot at 55, 60% is going to attract a lot of attention and make that big thing twice. And that's going to help. He's a great passer. If you've been watching the tape, you can see that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to create a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to get more assists if he's able to hit that shot consistently. Yeah. He's a really great interior passer, particularly. Yes. Super long arms. When he gets into the paint, he can make wraparound passes around the big. He hasn't yet shown the James Harden ability to hit shooters in the corners. Granted, OKC didn't really have a whole lot of shooters on – or excuse me. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, he, won't, he won't have to worry about that this year either. He was I was going to say, it won't be a factor this for the Clippers. Got Roberson out there in the corner, 25%. <laughs> yeah, that was my bad. Um, he has, he's great at hitting that little wraparound. Um, he didn't show a whole lot of prowess in regards to hitting shooters on his drives or making the cross court, uh, hit a shooter in the corner, like James Harden can do really well. Um, but what he does do well is finish at the rim. I watched plays where he was taking drop step, two handed dunks, um, off a of pass dude, like a, as a point guard, he's super lanky, six, six, yeah. six, 11 wingspan. Can't teach that. Six, 11, bro. Six, 11 yeah. Wingspan. That's like. What if you watch like watch Montrez Harrell get a dump off on the block and dunk it, and then watch Shea Gilders get a dump off on the block and dunk it? I promise you, I didn't get out of stopwatch or anything like that. Shea Gilders is faster to the rim to the rim than Montrez Harrell is. Yeah, way faster to the rim. The only difference is if the wind blows, uh, SGA might not come down because he weighs right. 110 pounds. Right. Um, you don't you don't get to see a whole uh, that a whole lot, but anytime that you can add a weapon to your arsenal, that's that's a big deal. And for that to be a threat, like a lot of a lot of point guards aren't going to be able to make that a threat. You know, um, he doesn't have any type of pull up game like you were talking about. He tends to when he's playing off the ball, stand straight up and not be have his hands at his waist and extended and be locked and loaded for a jump shot. So even when he get does those catch and shoots. He doesn't load well. They look very, they look very practice or practice shooting esque, where he catches the ball, then loads down and then shoots instead yeah. of being loaded before he catches the ball and releasing. Like if you watch JJ Redick or Clay Thompson, Correct. or it's Steph. just too slow for an NBA guard. There's just exactly. no two ways around it. But 
I want to try to make my case for the 35 wins, but let's look at this roster. How do you see the starting lineup shaking out? Because SGA is a point guard, but I think you have to start him, right? Um, I don't think that you're going to have I, – I don't think you're going to have an issue with starting him at the two, except for that okay. it's not going to spread the floor. Yeah, well, he has is, a, is Andre Roberson or Terrence Ferguson sp- spreading the floor? Terrence Ferguson might a little bit more this year, but not like yeah, not last year. maybe from three uh, yeah. high end. So, would you is are they going to roll out CP three and SGA as your guards, and then the wings you're going to go? Is Roberson healthy? I don't think that guy's ever going to be healthy again. Okay, so probably probably Terrence Ferguson at the three, uh, Gallinari at the four, and then Adams at the five, and you're bringing Schroeder and Nerlens as your kind of your one two bench guys. Uh, Diallo, I think, is going to make a pretty big leap. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I could see yeah, them. Fine. I could see them being mediocre eight people deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, not good eight people deep, but mediocre eight people deep. Well, here's, um, just because you got young guys. That's true. You do have a lot of young guys, but my argument for the 35 wins is you still have Chris Paul, most likely, and Chris Paul and SGA are going to be able to create looks for people. The, the question is who's going to score for them. I think right. the winner of all this. I mean, really, OKC and Sam Presti getting seven first-round picks, they're going to realize in the long run was the best thing to happen to them. It's just they're going to have to suck for a few years. Getting five, nice. I was going to say, getting five first-round picks for Paul George is one of the ultimate fleeces. That's like Her- Herschel Walker, Ricky Williams level. Yeah. And if nothing else, Sam Presti the winner because people, get a go- people go, oh, he turned Paul George into five picks, you know, when really – you lost two superstars. You lost three, four superstars, you know? Okay. So Pre- Sam Presti's a really, the real super, or the No winner. excuse for the Harden stuff. KD was going to leave, but you traded a guy that just got two shoulder surgeries. Yeah. Five first round picks. And he has a rod in his leg. Like, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good fleece. But I just believe that the ultimate beneficiary of this is Steven Adams. Because he's going to be more of a focal point to score. He's going to get more post looks and not feel the pressure to get a rebound and kick it to rest. He's going to get a rebound and go right back up like he should. Yeah, he's not going to feel the pressure to give Russ his rebounds more so. He's going to average <laughs> a double-double this year for the first time in his life. There is no freaking reason that Russell Westbrook has averaged three more rebounds per game over the last three seasons than Steven Adams, who's 6'11 or seven foot 275. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and you'll hear people go. Hear people go. Oh, Russell's more athletic. He's more explosive. He gets up. Stephen Adams is way better at positioning his body, and he weighs freaking forty pounds more, and he's ten inches taller. You know, like so there's you're exactly right. There's no no reason whatsoever except for that he's giving his boards to Russ and still averaging nine rebounds a game. So he'll well, average a double double here. I'm I'm guessing fifteen and fifteen and ten at least, maybe twenty and ten guy. Yeah, I like him to have a really big year and maybe sneak in as a. Uh a Western Conference center in the all-star team. But we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. So I, I went over, you went under. Uh, I, I like I like this team more than most, but I get I get the hesitance. And like I said, I do think there's a possibility that Gallinari and CP3 get dealt. And that happens, yeah, they're probably going under. Yeah, yeah. They're exci- They're going to be exciting, dude. I'm, I'm, I feel excited to not be bounced in the first round. You know? <laughs> but you'd rather just freaking tank and get another <laughs> – first round pick i'm so sick of watching my team say that they're going to be good whether it's ou football or okc basketball say that they're going to be good and just getting bounced in the first round every year or um, arizona basketball arizona basketball as well god man 
Um, let's, someone save me from this. Let's move on. Yeah, let's head up north <laughs> to uh, to Minnesota and, and the T-Wolves, which they've had a lot going on as well. Uh, I know you're really big on on Cat. Justin is as well. And I've historically on this show beaten you guys up for it. But I think I'm starting to come around on it. What's the number we have on them? Is it is it 35? We got 35 on them. Okay. What are your um, initial thoughts there? Dude, honestly, they've they have really hurt themselves with the Anthony Wiggins thing, but they have his replacement and who he should have been on the team. Um, actually, they have Jared someone. Culver. Jared Culver. Jared Culver, is, I think, is going to turn into a fantastic player. Um, he's Dude, he looks like Jimmy Butler to me. Yeah, and that, that's the comparison that was made at the draft. And I think I mentioned this probably, you know, 20 shows back or so when March Madness is going on, how much I like that guy. Yeah. Like, I think he's a great D and three guy. Now in the final four, he was bad. In the final game, I think he was like one for twelve or two for fourteen or something like that from the field. That you know, the kid's twenty. He's a second year player. He's not scared to take the shots in the big moment, which I like. Andrew Wiggins, to me, certainly been a bust for a number one pick. Not a bum. Like he's a good player. He's just not a great player like we thought he would be. But my biggest issue with him is he just disappears at time and he doesn't seem to have that Mamba mindset and uh wanted to take his game to the next level that or he just doesn't have it Culver's a much better defender than Wiggins and I think he's going to work harder on his game and develop a better outside shot I think he can really be a top uh top 15 kind of d and three player here in a few years yeah I agree and ultimately dude here's he is what RJ Barrett he he's like RJ Barrett but a lot more polished so when you look at his jump shot RJ Barrett is fantastic has a fantastic jump shot from the waist up it looks beautiful it has a high release comes up the middle of his finger it's quick but his legs look like Peyton Manning scrambling around in the, in the back <laughs> backfield you know his legs are all over the place he doesn't get such a great image he doesn't get his feet set when he's shooting he'll run into shots and kind of make this weird leaner forward like Steph Curry does, except for he can't shoot like Steph. Uh, Jarrett Culver is up and down. He's loaded before he receives the ball in order to get that shot up quick. He has 10, feet, 10 toes pointing towards the rim every single time he shoots. Really balanced. Good passer. Not as good of a passer as R.J. Barrett. Not as good of a rebounder as R.J. Barrett. As good of a defender as R.J. Barrett. Um, and at this point, probably a better true scorer at this point. He's, he's a lot more polished than R.J. is. RJ, I think, has a lot higher ceiling um, because RJ was doing stuff that Jarrett was doing with all of these faults that he had, you know, just because of athleticism, because of his ability to, to score. But right. ultimately, um, the final four doesn't bother me a crazy amount um, just because there are games like I can go and look at look at games where Damian Lillard outperformed Stephen Curry, you know? Correct. Make, so get December 27th or 25th, um, 2018, Damian Lillard, Lillard had 40 points and Steph had 25. Like, that doesn't mean that Damian Lillard's a better player. And people will argue that DeAndre Hunter's better than Jarrett because he had a better game he in the finals. He had a great than, game in that, in that finals. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. Jarrett Culver had no other scores around him at Texas Tech. You're in the NBA now, homie. You got scores. You got Cat on your team. Like, you're not going to be drawing the best player and Agreed. getting all the team attention. That's huge. And yeah. he played good defensive teams. I think they played – 
what Michigan and Virginia, that was like two top five defensive teams. Dude. Yeah. And Virginia, like that wasn't just Deandre Hunter, dude, their entire defense is built around stopping somebody like Jarrett Clover. Historically good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm with you there. I'm high on him. Um, I do think I'm coming around on Carl Anthony towns. Um, I think he's going to be an all NBA player this year. I think he's going to be an all-star and I still don't think he's his ceiling is as high as you guys do. I don't think he's like an all timer. Um, and a lot of that comes from, from attitude, but you know what? He's, he, he's 23. He'll turn 24 this year. So he's starting to kind of develop in the man he's going to be. He's been a kid this whole time. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, still really like the starting lineup. You know, you'll probably roll out uh, Teague at, at, at the point still, who's still a solid veteran point he's a good guard. player, dude. Yeah, he is. And you're going to put of non all-star guards. Um, I would put probably him and Connolly. Connolly, and then there's one other that Schroeder's Schroeder's on that short list for me. Teague's on that list for me. Drew Holiday's on that list too. I would put them yeah. all pretty similar. Yeah, I like that. He's right in that right in that group. But you roll, you know, Jeff Teague at the one. Wiggins will be your two. Looks like Robert Covington will probably be the the three, which is another great DN three guy for uh, Jared Culver to learn from. They're very similar body types. Well, Covington's six nine. I didn't realize he's that tall. And then you, you're running cat at the five. I'm looking at this roster. God, Shabazz Napier. This is hilarious. I'm trying to figure out who you're going to run at the four, though. I mean, you got Jordan Bell came over from from Golden State. You know, I would, I would, just, I would start him at the four, honestly. I think that's your best option. He's a good athlete. You don't really need buckets because you're getting it from other players. And he's going to get boards and play defense. Yeah, here's the issue that you're going to run into him with him is he doesn't do anything – great there's nothing that he does great he does everything well and players that do everything well but nothing great whenever you take them from a small small role into a bigger usage rate into a bigger role more minutes they tend to lose efficiency and that's what those players that do things good and hustle really hard but don't do anything great tend to thrive on is the fact that they have small bursts of efficiency that come in and help teams so i think that we could see a pretty big loss in regards to how jordan bell plays this year yeah i agree with that and you just don't you obviously don't have nearly as much talent around you dude i got a really good stat for you that i just uh just looked through here because i was looking at this minnesota roster i'm like you know only one of their players was born in the 80s all their other players were born in the 1990s i'm like man, man this is a really young team yeah this entire division only has eight players born in the 80s Jeez. That's crazy looking at some of these birthdays. It's like yeah, Robert Covington has about myself. Robert Covington has my exact same birthday. And I feel like that guy's like five years older than me. Yeah. It's so weird that we're like the same age as uh James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Like it's just strange. Yeah, I don't know why I'm not a multimillionaire yet. <laughs> You're getting there, man. You just gotta you just gotta work on those handles a little bit. <laughs> right. So are you I'm over I'm over the 35. On this team, I don't think they're a playoff team, though. But I think they're, you know, thirty-six to thirty-eight win team. It's hard to, it's hard for me to say under because there's so much talent on this team. Like just looking at the, like Carl Anthony Towns last year had a PER of twenty-five. Pretty like good. that's flipping good, dude. Historically, fantastic. Like like LeBron level is thirty. Twenty-five is fifteen is always league average. So twenty-five is what fifty percent better than league average. Yeah. I mean 50, yeah, 25 so like, is like top 15 player level. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he's going to be fantastic. But really, there's 
Jeff Teague does really well. They were, I think losing Tyus Jones is really going to hurt, hurt them because he was a great point guard that didn't turn the ball over. Not great, but he was a point guard that didn't turn the ball over. Um, Jeff Teague's going to play really well. Andrew Wiggins, you never know what's – he's just not efficient. Like, he'll give you 20 points a game, but he just takes stupid shots. Three, day, three days. Yeah, exactly. So, it's hard he for me to go – the number, though. Yeah, it's hard for me to go under, but it's also hard for me to go over. I'm going to stick at 35. I'm going to stay right there. You're going to go even. You're second even. I, refu- second even. I refuse to go even. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose. Those are my teams that I don't know what to expect. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go over. Go over? I'll, okay. go, I'll go 36. That's, yeah, that's 36. That's degenerate in me. I got I to gotta have some action. All right. Yeah. Okay. Any, anything else you want to say about them? I mean, I do think, um, you know, getting a fresh, fresh look in a full season without Thibodeau is the best thing for them. It's as a far big deal. as transitioning to a non-abysmal offensive team. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what uh, their new head – is it Saunders? Uh, their new head – yeah, Ryan Saunders. I'll be interested to <laughs> Ryan see. Ryan Saunders. What he can what he can pull off with that team. Um, I think he's got a good staff with him, so it'll be it'll be a better season for them. Certainly, they have Cat locked up for the next five years. Correct, so and it, unfortunately, it, Wiggins. Yeah, that's also true. You've got to get in the lottery and start picking up people. You got to hope that you hit on Culver. You got to get in the lottery and start picking up people. I don't. I if you can't make the playoffs this year, you got to tank. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, to so be honest with you, I, I, think I haven't seen. I was going to say, and to be honest with you, this is something that I think you'll like is that I haven't seen enough from Carl Anthony Towns to feel like he's going to get pissed if you tank. I feel like he'll be like, yeah, whatever. As long as, he gets, as long as he gets his and he's having fun, I think it won't be an issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, if you tank with Kobe on the team, like, it's not looking good. It's not right, he's going right. to ask for a trade, but I don't, I don't see that out of this guy. No, I don't either. And that's part of the reason I feel the way I do. That's fair. I can understand that. So, um, let's take a quick sp- second here to get a break from our sponsors. Or right, let's take a break to get a reading from our sponsors. Um, we're really excited about bringing these guys to you. So, we'll take a quick break. Okay. All right, we're back. Uh, let's talk about the Blazers. We have them at 47 and a half. That's a good number. I mean, obviously, Vegas is pretty on point with all of these. You said it a minute ago. How many games do you think it's going to take to – uh, when, how many wins will it take to get into the playoffs in the West? 45, 46? 46. Let me look at exactly where they have the Blazers. They might have had the Blazers at like seven, but uh, I they made it to where I can't go even on them. They knew I was going to. Yeah, the Blazers are actually the sixth seed, I believe, because uh, Golden State was at 47, which was the seventh seed, and the Spurs were the eighth seed. At 46. So the Blazers at the sixth seed, which is exactly where I put them in my West Power Rankings. I feel pretty pretty confident about that. Yeah. Um, so you're saying 46 and 36 is going to be what it takes to get you into the playoffs in the West, which I mean, that's not crazy. I'm a, I think it's going to be more like a 44, 38. Cause I think there's going to be a lot more teams. I think it's more balanced this year. Uh, so I think they are going to be a playoff team, but I have them under 47 and a half. I'll go, I'll go 45 and 37. Okay. So you're thinking that the, that the high is going to be lower and the low is going to be higher. Correct. Just kind of squash it all down. That's going to be, tight man because this these last few years we've had like a race through five through eight are we gonna have a race through two through eight where the second seed could drop out so i think the one seed will have 56 wins and i think the eight seed will have 44 wins i think it'll be relatively tight from one through eight okay which is not too far off actually where it was from last year yeah 
the Trailblazers quietly, one could argue, were the best rebounding team in the league last year. They had the best rebounding rate in the league. And then they just added Hassan Whiteside. I was about to say, they just added a terrific rebounder. Say what you will about Hassan Whiteside. That dude can clean the glass, right? So they're going to turn into a grind-out team even more so. The way that their offense runs, it's actually really funny because I've been watching a lot of them and a lot of uh, the Nuggets, and they run kind of mirror images of each other. So I'll tell you what I mean more when we get to the Nuggets, but the type of offense they run is they're going to run big men that are doing pin downs on uh, on guards. So they start with their guards in the corners, and then they run run up in a flex type motion towards the top of the key, and then they have a lot of dribble handoffs at the top right. um, between the guards and then – a lot of pick and roll because Damian Lillard is just fantastic at that. And he can pull up in people's face and those guards that are backpedaling or the big man that are backpedaling face. But what's going to happen is whenever you have got guard or big men that are setting down screens on people and setting pin downs in the middle of the lane, you have a lot of potential for offensive rebounds, which is really accentuated. The fact that Ennis Cantor is a fantastic offensive rebounder. Now, as good of an offensive re- rebounder as Ennis Cantor is, you have Hassan Whiteside setting those those pin downs where he's sitting there trying to get offensive boards. So I think they're going to lead the league in rebound rate again this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason that they would take a step back. And it's really a testament to their front court, given that their guards aren't big guys or good rebounders either. Yeah. So this – I'm very tired of this team, to be quite honest. Even though I know they made the Western Conference Finals this year, I think they were beneficiary of an easy road there. This is pretty much to me what the Grizzlies were like five to six years ago, where you have Zebo, Gasol, Tayshaun Prince in the twilight. You have Conley, maybe not with the way the roster is structured in terms of uh, personnel and the type of players they are, but they're just hanging around in that like three to eight seed. And they're not, they're not going to win a championship with this roster. Right. I think that's right. clear. Yeah. And I don't think they're even a player away. They may be a superstar away, but I think they're, they're a few players away. I like the white side signing to, you know, have him run your five until Nurkic comes back. I believe he's ex- expiring. So you can move him at the, uh, the trade deadline. So I get the strategy there, but I mean, just look at the roster. Like they, they lost, um, uh, they lost the Minu. bring in Kent Bazemore, pretty much a even swap. You bring in Pau Gasol, yeah. you keep Rodney hood. I mean, just looking at the roster, and I'm like, this just looks like another six seed to me. And uh, they're a fun team to watch. I like Dame a lot. I think he is probably a top 10 to 12 player. And arguably, I think he's probably the second best point guard in the league. I, I can take an argument Dame. for that. I'm going hard in a two. Okay. So I would take Steph one, and I would take Dame two, uh, Kyrie three, and Russ four. Okay. I'm taking Ben Simmons first, and then Steph I'm just playing with you. I'm I was like, dude, don't, don't ruin. We have a great <laughs> episode just, going right now. Don't I'll ruin it. do that for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree, dude. The worst place in the league that you can be is six, seven, eight seed. Yes. It's the worst place in the league you can be. Yep. Um, and that's where they've, they've, for the past three years, they've been the three seed, I think. I know for the, at least for the past two. Yeah. And they got and, swept as the three seed two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, are you really a three seed? If you're getting swept by the six seed, I don't think you're really a three seed. You're probably a good regular season team, but there's not much that Lillard can do to elevate his game um, beyond what he has right now. What do you do? I don't think he needs to be able to. to shoot from half court. You yeah, know? No, so. I don't think he needs to elevate his game. Dude's averaging 25 points a game the last six seasons. McCollum 
it's hard to say he needs to elevate his game because we're talking about a kid from Lehigh that is wildly ex, you know, yeah. all expectations by a mile. He would need to turn into a top 20 player because right now he's a top 30, top 35, yeah. in my opinion. That dude's six foot two and weighs less than Shea Gilgis and is playing the shooting guard, where Clay Thompson's six foot six. You know, yeah. like how can you say that that guy can elevate his game? He can't. Like he's he's playing out of his mind for who he is, you know. You know who has to elevate their game is well, Nurkic needs to come back and be a better version of himself, but they need guys like Rodney Hood to be able to get 15 points in a quarter coming off the bench when they need that. And the guy I think can elevate his game is Zach Collins. Yeah, he'll get better. 21. But is that 22? But is that something that will take you to the next level? Is Zach Collins because that dude's not going to be an all star? I don't, is, is I don't him, think so, but he, he, dude, if he can become – no, that's not going to take them to a championship. It's going to take another really good player, but that's the type of things they need to happen in addition to a better acquisition. Here's the real question. Can you win without an elite wing in this league, an elite two-way wing? No, I don't, not, not right now. There's too much talent at that position. They need to, they need to trade either CJ or Dame. Can't trade Dame. They just gave yeah. That's what I was about to say. Whatever. That's about. That's what I was about to say. Is you have to trade CJ for an elite wing if you want to win a championship. You can't. You can't go against Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then turn around and play the next series against LeBron James and Danny Green, who can lock down freaking people like crazy, and then turn around the next series and play against Clay Thompson, who can lock CJ McCollum down. You can't do it um, with two guys in the backfield or in the backcourt that are defensive liabilities. Correct. Like they're not built to win in this league. They're a great team and they're so much fun to watch because Dame's one of the most likable players in the league. I think CJ McCollum is too, but you just can't win without an elite, elite, elite wing and they don't have one. Agreed. Oh, wow. I didn't realize this. So I guess they restructured CJ's deal. I thought he was at like that 25 range next. He has five years left on his deal at 27, which I'm okay with that number, but 27, 35, 30, 33, 35. Yeah, so those five years down the road, the guy is he'll be 28 in a few weeks. Yeah. So you're talking about a 33 year old making 35 mil. Not not good. Yeah. The good thing is his game is not predicated upon athleticism. So he's not going to lose. He could probably he's, play to that age. He's crafty. Yeah, he's crafty. He won't do his. It's predicated upon his speed, which he may lose a little bit, but he's crafty. That's the thing that like you watch these young rookies. And then you will watch CJ young rookies like Shea Gilgis watching all the film that I watched on him. I don't think I ever once saw him quote unquote, put somebody in jail where he blows past somebody and then takes a step back into him backwards into them so that he can survey the field and figure out what he needs to do for that split second, you know, but if you watch CJ, he does it constantly. Every time he blows by somebody takes a step back into him and then he either sprints ahead or finishes with a floater or dumps off. If Shea does that, though, and leans on someone, he's going to get shoved into the ground like a child. <laughs> but then that's a foul, you know? So yeah, I guess that's true. That's that's a play that not a lot of players have coming out of college, and it's one of the best plays for a guard to be able to make. Dude, as a six-foot white dude, that's my bread. That's my – dude, <laughs> that's all I got, man. I got yeah. to know where you're at. I got to feel you so I don't get swatted in this L.A. fitness, man. And too- a mean little underhanded floater like Steve Nash had. Too much pride, man. I just did uh, just did too many biceps. I can't, so I can't take a jump shot. So I'm just gonna <laughs> offensive foul the hell out of you till I get a rec league uh, below the basket type of layup. But so yeah, I played with people like that. Forty-seven and a half. You over or under? 
I'm over that. Okay. We're, we're right, right over. You know, uh, yeah, I got him at 49. Okay. I think they'll, I think they'll finish three seed again. Honestly, I, th- I could wow. see them finishing four three seed. So here's an interesting. We're talking about 46 wins will get you in the playoffs. That's your thought. 44 is my number. You know what the eight seed had in the West last year? 48 wins. Really? The Clippers were at 48. So were the Spurs. But here's the thing: the ninth seed was the Kings at 39. There was a yeah. nine win difference between the eight and nine. That will not be the case this year. The Kings only had 39. Yes. Yeah, dude, I, I could see the Kings competing for it, honestly, this year. Their number's um, only like 37. But I think the yeah, Kings, I think the Kings, the T-Wolves, the Mavs, and the Spurs will be the teams fighting for 7, 8, 9, 10. And I think that, like, the difference between – because the difference between 7 and 10 this year wins was 11, and it was, it was 9 between 8 and 9. That's the crazier number. Yeah. It's going to be much tighter. Uh, Portland won 53 games last year to get the three seed, though. So if I, I, be interested to see if 49 will get into the three seed. But you're you're over that, which I'm loving this because we have quite a few different here, dude. It's it's so nowadays it's all about consistency because the days are gone when you could go against the team and not have to worry about one dude dropping 60 on you. Like everybody, everybody in the league has a has a person that'll drop 50 on you any given night. Like Devin Booker can Devin Booker will do it. Yeah, 70. Yeah, so. It's just any any given night, anybody can beat anybody um, if they're having an off game, you know. It's getting more and more like the NFL um, because there's so much talent in the league. Yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely more parity, um, yeah. except these superstars keep teaming up, and that kind of <laughs> dissolves some of that. There's parity except for one team in the league that has all the superstars on it. Right. Let um, me ask you this before we transition over to the Nuggets, uh, which is our next team. If – the Blazers have a disappointing season, which I don't really know how I would characterize that. I would say, I guess, getting bounced maybe in the second round or more importantly, just getting bounced in a, in a fashion in which they have the last two years because their bounces the last two years have both been sweeps. Granted, Dude, honestly, it's the Warriors, I get it, but the, getting swept by the, the Pelicans is terrible. Yeah, that was horrible. That was getting swept by one player. My, my question, player. though, is Terry Stotts out if they I don't swept? Dude, honestly, I don't know. Um, they have shown way more loyalty than him to him than I would have. I would have watched them three years in a row and go, dude, you can't why can't you make adjustments when your team is worse than the other player or than the other team and at least pick up one win? Because he did that three years in a row, dude. We watched them get swept, like you said, three years in a row, regardless of whether it was the Warriors, the Pelicans, or any or whoever it was, they he doesn't make adjustments. We watched them do the same thing night in and night out. He was having, um, he was having Cantor do a back and under against Steph Curry. So it's like Jesus Christ, I can't dude! Do anyone? Why are you subjecting him to Steph Curry? Why are Why are you doing a back and under against the greatest shooter? Not even a contest in the history of the league. Like whenever you drop your player, he's going to knock down threes all night on you. And they lost the first game because of that. Because Stott said, yeah, "Let's run that." But and the thing is. And he that stuck with it the whole game. Twice, right. And you just don't make a change. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, exactly. And don't you think Terry Stotts, though, or just amongst, I would say even casual fans and people that know the sport, he's regarded as a top 10 coach. And he, I even put him in that category. But I'm starting to realize I don't think he is. I think I've just been fucking convinced that he is. 
Yeah, because they finish every single year with the three seed, and you go, this team doesn't have anybody on except for Damian Lillard, and and what's this little six foot two guy doing here? Yeah, it must be you Terry know? Stotts, but yeah, maybe exactly. it's just that Dame's really freaking good, and CJ McCollum's a lot better than people think, and they have a great home court. Right, that's that's a big thing is that they have a great home court. There are also coaches that just can't make adjustments, and if there are coaches that can beat somebody in one game, and there are coaches that just get out coached in a seven game series because you're seeing ev- the same player every Very single well night. Said. Yeah. So Terry like Steve Kerr, is not a series coach. Yeah, exactly. Look at what the, what the Warriors looked like before Steve Kerr was there. They lost in, in the playoffs and they got just trounced with Mark Jackson at the helm. Um, but Steve Kerr came in and revamped the offense and he makes the right adjustments, dude. That's why the Warriors come out and just beat the shit out of people in the third quarter every single game. He makes game. some of the best adjustments. Yeah, the, they're the best third quarter team like ever in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's not like – so some people will come out and say, well, Stott spent the entire year teaching them an offense or Stott spent the entire year teaching them a defense. That's why you have to have wrinkles in your offense or wrinkles in your defense so that you can say, okay, that's – flex screen isn't working you need to hit this guy a little bit sooner you need to be able to look at what Draymond is doing he's stepping over whenever you hit that whenever you hit that pick and roll too fast just whip one to the corner and make him honest you know but Stotts doesn't make those adjustments so uh, they have been more keyed in and more loyal to Stotts than I would have been I said this at the end of last year I said I would walk in I would have him walk into my office and I would say you need to convince me right now why we should keep you around for another year, you know, or what you're going to do to make us win next year. Because what's the point of winning champion or not winning championships like revenue? Are you right? What you want just revenue. So is this a long winded way of saying yes, Terry Stotts is out if he gets swept <laughs> in the playoffs? I'm going to continue last year. <laughs> I said at the early saw or in the early in the playoffs, I said Nick nurse is a better coach than Terry Stotts. And, and I, I crucified you for that. Dude, people, everybody did. Everybody was like, are you crazy? I 100% believe it, dude. I watched Nick Nurse outcoach every coach that he played against in the entire series or in the entire playoffs. Nick Nurse is a better coach than Terry Stotts. It's not even close. And that was Nick Nurse's first year. Wow. Yep. Yep. So I'm, I'm with you, man. It's a big year for the Blazers. Um, both stars aging and, and with Terry Stotts job on the line, quite frankly. All right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free Audible audiobook with 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. That's audibletrial.com slash SLM. You can browse the unmatched selection of audiobooks. You can download a title for free and start listening. It's really that easy. Um, I currently am working on Sherlock Holmes, so maybe we can start a book club or something. But go to audibletrial.com slash SLM as insensibly loud media and get started now. Uh, let's transition, go back to the, uh, go back East a little bit uh, to, to the mountains in Denver, man, big, big year for them. You know, they're number two seed last year, which I don't think anyone, I knew we, we all thought they'd be pretty good, but I don't think anyone expected them to be the two seed. Yeah. I Their number is 52, 52 yeah. this year, which um, is less wins than they had last year. So similarly to my thought with the Rockets, whose number was 52, which is less wins they had last year, I'm going over on this one as well. Interestingly, I believe that Bleacher Report had the Nuggets on top of the Rockets, so they'd see them actually uh, – or not Bleacher Report, but the Vegas had 
Nuggets on top of the Rockets, correct? Are you looking at it right now? Yeah, they're both at 52 wins. I guess they think that they the, think the Nuggets, Nuggets are going to go two and one because they play each other three times. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I – this could – this team is – I don't think – so they picked up Jeremy Grant, who shot 39% from the three-point line last year. Really big deal. Here is – the reason why I'm confused as to what they're doing. Um, none of the, none of the bigs on their team can't pass. Plumlee is a fantastic passer. Mm-hmm. Paul Millsap is a fantastic passer. And then they got Nikola Jokic out there. And, and the reason why I compared their offense to the Blazers is because the Blazers have um, dribble, dribble into the corner and having the big set pin downs on the, um, on the baseline. The, uh, the Nuggets run out of what is called the horns, uh, the horns offense, where you have two bigs, both of them at the free throw line extended, or not even extended, but at the um, corners of the free throw line, and you give the ball to a big, and then you run cuts and picks with the guards around the bigs, and let the bigs make either dribble yeah. handoffs or passes. Or Jokic just sticks his ass out and, and slows the guard down and throws yeah, it right on the money for an easy shot. Exactly, and then he throws a dime for a layup or something like that. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Jeremy Grant because Jeremy Grant can't do, can't do much apart from he plays great defense. He works really Very hard. Well. He's a good, good defender and he knocks down a three, but the dude played under Billy Donovan for for three years. He forgot and how to play basketball. He doesn't know how to cut without the basketball. He doesn't know how to dribble. He doesn't know how to do anything besides catch a three and shoot it and play defense. And that's not what the nuggets are. They're not a catch and shoot team. They're a constantly moving constantly moving around team um so um we might not see jeremy grant get a whole lot of playing time at the beginning of the year before malone gets that fixed malone's a top 10 coach really by the good way. coach i was gonna say i don't think jeremy grant has to start at the beginning of the season i think they can slowly integrate him into this offense and i think it's gonna take time like anything going to a new team especially a good team that you're new to but I think they'll work him into the roster well. You know, I th- I think you run the same starting lineup out there as last year with uh, Gary Harris and Jamal Murray as your guards, which I like a lot. Jamal Murray got the big payday. So it's, it's one of those. He deserved it too. He deserved it, absolutely. His ceiling is extremely high. You know, the kid's 20, 22. You got to ask yourself, though, is that payday going to motivate him to continue to be a better player? Because he has the ability to be a 26, 27-point-per-game type of guy. Yeah. Or is he going to say, you know, not that he's going to say it, but he's going to have the mindset of, F it, I got my money. I'm not going to work as hard. He's going to have the Shaq mindset. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Where, no, I was going to say, what are your thoughts there? I think he's going to elevate his game. That's just my, my opinion. But I've heard mixed reviews there. It's rare. So this guy's usage rate has gone up 10% every single year. Um, whenever he came in the league, it's about 21%. Uh, then he went up to 22 and last year it went up to a true 20%, 24.1. Um, he has done that and bettered his assist to turnover ratio and his assist ratio every single year. And that's rare. He's bettered his efficiency every single year. That's why you max him is because he's gotten better with the bigger and bigger roles that he's taken on. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, say it's like Ben Simmons too, where it's like you're maxing these guys early, but it may be at a discount and look like a great deal three to four years down the road. Right, exactly. Because the reason why these why these uh, 
these maxes scale the way that they do. It's not just like, okay, we'll pay you 27 this year, 29 next year, 31 next year. That a max is like 30% or based upon where the, how good the player is and what their age is, a certain percentage of the salary cap. And each year the salary cap increases. It's, so It's like when we get an inflation adjustment, it's just hundreds <laughs> instead of millions. Right, exactly. <laughs> so in five years, whenever Steph Curry is making 36 million, it's still taking up the same percentage of their cap. Um, but it's, it just looks a lot more than what it is now. Um, now that doesn't mean that some of those guys aren't overpaid <laughs> like right. Chris Paul, but ultimately, um, those, those scalable ones, I want everybody to understand that they are scaling to the max and they don't take up any more percentage than what they're taking up now. Correct. But I, I would have, if there was a person that definitely deserved a max and that, you know, will get better as you increase his workload because he's done it previously, it's Jamal Murray for me. Andrew Wiggins, as they increased his workload, he didn't really get any better. He didn't really get any more efficient. They just saw this guy has crazy amounts of potential and then maxed him. Right. To be honest with you, um, Ben Simmons had stayed about the same as far as scaling goes. They didn't really increase his workload or anything like that. I would have given one more year. Money aside, because I do think they got a little bit better by maxing him early, I would have liked to have scaled him a little bit more and seen a little bit more of whether he got more efficient. I like hearing you say that, and I agree with that. Uh, I think at the end of the day, he'll probably be worth the money. It was just a little a little premature. Real quick, though, Jamal Murray or Ben Simmons? Who you like more? Ben Simmons. Okay. There's not you? a whole lot of young people that I that I like more than Ben Simmons. I, I, I might actually like Jamal Murray. I think he's got a little bit of – I'm going to call him efficient Iverson because I think he can, okay. he can take over. He is going to naturally be a volume scorer, but maybe just at slightly better percentages. Some of that comes from he has the best passing big man in the league maybe the best passing big man that we've ever seen. Um, and before I ha- go on my man crush on Jokic, um, I do want to talk about a pretty big deal of them getting Michael Porter back. You know, Michael Porter is a, a 6'10", what, 6'10", 6'11", kid that, you know, went to Missouri, played three or four games. Uh, he was the number one player coming out of high school. There's a lot of hype around this kid. He would have been the number – well, that's a really loaded draft, but he would have been a top four or five draft pick, and he went – 14, I believe. Before he got injured, he was the consensus number one. Right. Him and Aiton were neck and neck. But they're serious they're injuries. Consensus. It is it yeah. is very severe back injuries to his discs, to his lumbar. And, uh, you know, walking down the stairs, I'll never forget my dad pointing out, walking down the stairs at the draft, it was like, the guy looked decrepit, man. He looked like he needed a cane at 19. It's like, what the fuck? That you is, texted that me that. I was good. like, jeez, yeah. Um, but Bill I Simmons- still think he has a chance to be a good player. Yeah. Bill Simmons had a great line about that one time. He was watching Kevin Durant and Greg Oden get drafted back to back. And he said that Kevin Durant floated and Greg Oden did not. And the great ones always float whenever they walk. And that that is concerning to me about Michael Porter, Uh, regardless of whether it's allegorical or not. I think there is something to that because there's something about athleticism that you can just see in people, you know. Good thing, though, is Greg Oden weighs like 290 pounds and Michael Porter Jr. is like 210. So, yeah. It's not going to be a weight issue. It's going to be can he get that body right? And he's had a lot of time off, um, so I, I'm confident that he can have an impactful role this year, whether it's as a six man or whatever it may be. He could certainly develop into a starter. I sure hope so, man. It's I don't care whether you're a fan of that guy or not. Like to see a kid get their dream taken from because of injuries, that's tough. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about Jokic though, man. This is my uh, my number three. In terms of MVP, I'm not saying he's the third best player in the league. Um, I think he's probably a top three big man. And yeah. I would elevate, I think he's top 10 players for me now. 
I have to really look at it. He's certainly top 15. I, he, he's creeping in the top 10 for me. There's a lot of talent in this league, but, you know, he's – My top a, 10 is, has like 20 people in it. Yeah. I say all the time. Just, yeah. I've never been so high on a player that can only average like 20, 21 points. I kind of think that's a ceiling for points. He might get to like 23, but he does it super, super efficiently. And I just – it's a joy watching him play. He's so unselfish, such a non-typical NBA star for this era. And he just drops dimes that you do not expect seven foot European dudes with 30 letters in their name to do. He also has, he's also great at seeing the pass before it needs to happen or passing to the guy that needs to make the pass and trusting his team. It's cerebral. It's unteachable. Yeah, exactly. So like if I know that there's a guy cutting to the rim that I see is wide open, but I don't have an angle, he'll make the pass to the corner so that that guy can make the pass those yep. hockey assists where it's the one time or the um, you hit somebody and you get the assist on the assist. Like he's great at that. And he's just, he just has the mind that it's almost like rain man working out there. Right. He just knows yep. where everybody is at all times. Um, he also can put the ball on the ground and bring the ball up the court and initiate the offense himself. He doesn't even have to initiate the offense from the post. And that helps a lot. And he can knock down a three. Yep. So he does about uh, everything right. One thing, though, that you pointed out several times in the playoffs last year, he needs to get in better shape. He needs to be an NBA level of shape because he's a terrific half-court player. But when the game starts moving at a really high athletic pace, which it may very well when you're playing LeBron and AD or you know Kawhi and Paul George and some of these other teams that have been built out in the West, Russ and Harden, like the ball is going to be moving fast. He's going to have to be able to get his ass up and down the court not be winded and start taking those three pointers in the fourth quarter and it's front rim. It's like, you're going to have to get your shit together. Yeah. He's never seen Anthony Davis in a playoff series. No. He's, and when you dude, you've been in that situation where you take the next level of playing an elite prospect. Like, obviously we're talking high school, you know, but, right. but when you go from one player and then you play against somebody that's elite, it's a night and day difference from what's ha- from what was previous. Somebody that you know is better than you. Yeah, exactly. And somebody you head about it. Yeah, exactly. And he's never had to play against that. Um, and he will have to this year if he wants he, to go to the finals. He won't be able to guard Anthony Davis in the half court either. That's no. the thing. He needs to work on his foot speed, but that comes with his, his conditioning. I don't know if it's necessarily losing weight, and I'm saying that with air quotes because he could – put on 10 pounds of muscle, lose 10 pounds of fat. It's not a weight thing. It's just he needs to convert his body to an NBA body. Yeah, and like let's he, be honest. This this guy could have Mickey, Rocky's trainer, train him for 30 years. He'll never be what Anthony Davis – what not going to look like Anthony LeBron, Davis. right? Yeah, like exactly. Broad-shouldered, 30-inch waist, and, you know, it's just not going to happen. But he needs to not look like he has dad bod arms. He literally <laughs> has dad bod. It's a seven-foot dad bod. He is. It's just fucking money, and he's my number three choice for, for potential MVP. I think Seth uh, Steph is the uh, the obvious front runner, and Giannis, you got to just give him the credit. You know, James Harden will be in the mix. I think Embiid will be in the mix. But dude, Jokic, if they win fifty five games, no reason he couldn't be MVP if he goes you know twenty one ten and nine. I'll tell you why he can't be MVP um, is because nobody like nobody cares about how he plays. People are people are blowing up Yon, or Zion being the greatest player of all time because he can dunk. You know, like this guy doesn't get dunks. That's why. Stand up to watch those games too. All these, yeah, the three fourths of the guys voting live in the East Coast. Will he deserve MVP? Which I think is what you're getting at. Yeah, he very much right. could. But I don't think that I can't 
see this guy ever win an MVP just because nobody wants to watch that type of play. And no, the average person doesn't understand everything that he's doing. Agreed. So 52 was the number. I went over. I like them as the two seed uh, for the regular season. What they'll do in the playoffs, I'm not, not as confident in. I don't think they're uh, ready to make that leap to go to the finals yet. But I like yeah. them at about 55 and 27. So I'm going over. What do you got? It's hard for me to go under with such a good coach because I do believe that he's a really good coach. But I'm going to go under just because I don't – they didn't get as – they didn't get any better, and the rest of the league did. Some of the league got worse, though, because those good players yeah, left certain teams. So what, the, what the, the rest at, of the playoffs did. This is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at their – you know, it's easier to do this for football where there's 16 games, but I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm saying I don't see 31 losses on their schedule. Yeah. I just don't. So it's fair. Who do they have on Christmas? Let me see if they're on the on the Christmas. I'm pretty positive they are. We need to go through the Christmas list, actually. That we'll put that on our to-do list. Um, because that's one of my that's my favorite sporting event, maybe in all of all sports. <laughs> I just got so I just got so excited, but I'm also really hungry and I just typed in Christmas Day menu. I'm like, I don't see the NBA games. <laughs> see, all I, right, so Celtics Raptors to open it up. They have the Pelicans. Oh, what's, I like that. A what's our over-under on how many times it gets yammed on by Zion? <laughs> Dude, nothing would make me happier than Jokic just ha- going like two for 18 in that game with nine turnovers and Zion. <laughs> and you just happen to come on here and admit that he's the prodigy. I uh, wouldn't come on here. I'd just be like, I quit, dude. Like, can we talk about how somebody else. great this Christmas, this Christmas lineup is? 1.30, uh, this is, uh, I believe, Central Time, ladies and gentlemen. You got 76ers and Bucks, which are – you know, the consensus front runners in the East coming into the season. And if everyone's healthy, yeah. that's going to be a hell of a game. We're going to follow that up with Rockets Warriors, which is just going to be an absolute shootout and really fun with the guards. It's going to be nice because I feel like Russ just always gets shit on by the Warriors and stuff. So it's going to be nice to see if Russ can uh, finally get a dub against them. And then, dude, 7, 7 p.m., Clippers-Lakers. That's going to be a blast. I'm more excited about our 11 a.m. game, which is Raptors Celtics and Drake showing up drunk on Christmas Day White Claws and getting in a fight with some <laughs> with Brad Stevens or something. Dude, if Drake has White Claws uh, floor side with Nick Nurse, that's going to be the greatest moment of Christmas history. <laughs> What's the saying? Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. He's gonna he's gonna go up to Kyle Lowry and be like, "Yo, you claw." Josh is in a week become the biggest. Uh, they're actually the leader of the Trevor Wallace fan club, I believe, at this point. I think I'm actually a top fan. So I, I'm a top fan on Baron Davis's Facebook page, Gilbert Arenas's Facebook page, and beyond TV, TNT, and I'm looking for that Trevor Wallace, baby. Nice. Dude, I just saw the funniest freaking notification come across my computer from Bleacher Report. Lonzo Ball released more songs on Spotify last year than he made. <laughs> I saw that. Dude, Reddit broke that <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> God dang it, man. All right, selling Lonzo stock. That's enough for me on Lonzo. Uh, I think we got one more team here. We got uh, the Jazz. Nick yeah, Saban's yeah. the defensive coordinator there from now or now. Man, I, I was thinking about that when you said that because I've definitely been in the camp that the Clippers are going to hands down be the best defensive team in the league. You might be right. I think Utah is, but you know why? It's not the addition of Conley, which I like. He's a good defensive player. It's that the stifle tower. Exactly. The Clippers don't have a true rim protector. Like Montrez Harrell's a fantastic athlete, but I think he's like six, eight or nine. He's a four. So, you know, with Rudy Gobert being in the anchor, dude, that, that guy is the best 
rim protector in the league. So I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think Utah across the board might be a better defensive team. And you know how I feel about Donovan Mitchell. And that's crazy because the Clippers are rolling out Patrick Beverly, Paul George, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. You know, dude, the Jazz, they're going to slow – People are going to average 90 points a game against those guys. Like That's the that, thing. They're, they're going to play a slower place, pace than the Clippers. People are going to score more than the Clippers. Clippers will have the best uh, perimeter defense in the league, though. Perimeter defense. Hands in the face, bad field goal percentage from outside when you have pesky Beverly and then long and terrific footwork Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Best defensive rating in the, in the league last year was the Milwaukee Bucks with 104.9. They'll be at the top of the list too. And then the Utah Jazz. Um, I think I have Utah number one, maybe. I'm going to go with Bucks number two, and then I'm going to go Clippers number three for defensive ratings. Next I think year. you throw 76ers in there too with their athleticism. Yeah, height they're freaking long. Yeah. So 52 and a half is the number Vegas gave Utah. I'm, I'm actually under that number, not by a whole lot. I think they're probably a 50-win team. Uh, I like the Nuggets more than them for sure, though. I'm I'm under. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 53. I'm gonna go over on that one. Okay, I like this, man. We're so today we actually only agreed on on one. Yeah, I think I've levied out too many games, though. I'm probably up to I'm probably 10 over the amount of games that are actually played. <laughs> I'm going over on everybody, but yeah, man. Um, I got. Jazz over. I have them finishing high. Um, I have them finishing maybe two in the two in the um, West. Okay, I think they settle more in more in the five seed. Uh, love love the starting lineup. I think the bench is a little sketchy because I'm looking at this lineup and I'm saying who who are my six seven eight because that's going to matter a lot in a playoff series and it's probably looking like Ed Davis, Jeff Green. I guess Joe Ingles might come off the bench. Uh, he he plays not, well. It'll be Emmanuel Mudiay. Uh, well, you might have to work Ingles into the starting lineup. I just don't know who plays the four there. But uh, Donovich is a little slight for that. But I just really he's, feel like playing time. this team is very strong. They made a big step forwards by, by adding Mac, Mike Conley, by getting Bogdanovich. I think they've been overhyped a little bit. I think they're a victim of getting five games better, and people think they're getting ten games better. And hmm. I know those numbers are a little off because they won whatever they won last year. But – I just think that they're they're getting a little overhyped, and I think that it's going to be a disappointment. That's not a that's not a championship roster, though. You agree with that, right? Dude, I don't know. Like this, remind this team reminds me of the Detroit Pistons, the okay. championship Detroit Pistons. But if, if in that we're in the, they ahead. don't have a superstar, there's not a Kawhi or a Paul I'm George saying. on there. I'm but saying. dude, like that championship Pistons team was so freaking dominant defensively. Um, I could see this team being that way as well. Um, but yeah, I, I the, the big issue is you trust Donovan Mitchell to go get you a bucket with um with twelve right. seconds left. And I know, think he's you know. a superstar. I just don't know if I trust him that much yet. And you don't have the second score is the bigger issue because if Donovan goes off and you shut him down, it's like I'm not trying to see Mike Conley or Bogdanovich ISO in a playoff game. Right. As good as they are defensively, the Bucks might be just as good defensively. But oh shit, you got Giannis, you got Middleton, you got guys that can ISO and get buckets. Right. Right. That, that's that's why I don't see any way, shape, or form they hoist the trophy up at the end of the year. I yeah. think the only possible teams that could come out of the West are Houston, Denver, or the LA teams. Okay, I thought you were gonna leave. I thought you were just gonna say the Clippers. Um, yeah, I'm not and gonna all of them are LeBron like that. Even though Justin and I talked about this on on uh, perpetually correct, everything has to go right for that team. 
Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter who comes out of the West anyways, because the Bucks are going to sweep whatever team it is. <laughs> yeah. F- figured you'd go that way, but <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big season for Utah. I think this is the most expectations they've had since those Darren Williams, uh, Carlos Boozer teams where they were really competing. So we'll see how it goes. I think that they're going to, they're going to fall short. Um, but it'll, it'll be exciting. They're going to be another team that's in the mix. Cool. But I think that'll, that'll pretty much wrap up the Northwest division for us. We're going to wrap, wrap up the Western Conference next week uh, with the Pacific division, which that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Warriors in there, Lakers, Clips. You got a you know, pretty pesky Sacramento team. And then uh, we'll spend about 30 seconds on the Phoenix Suns for you all. I know you can <laughs> But we'll, we'll be bringing that to you guys within the next week or so. Uh, Josh, always good to talk to you, man. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. See you, man. Later, dude. Welcome back to another episode of On the Break. Tonight, we're continuing our tour with, um, I'm going to start that over. Gosh darn it. Justin, come back.